So today, inshallah ta'ala, after we've finished the first five ayat that talked about the oaths Allah Ta'ala is swearing these oaths by these angels and like we said the strongest opinion the most clear is that this is in reference to what taking of the lives collecting the souls then Allah Ta'ala says and this is a difference of opinion whether this is the jawab al-qasim or not is this the answer to the oath or is it mahdhuf so we talked about last week how is mahdhuf where it is omitted and therefore it is you will certainly be the implication is you will certainly be resurrected however some say that this is the jawab al qasim this is the answer to all these oaths i swear by the, the these angels uh, that are going to take your souls that what so we're going to get into the meaning right now and i'll explain how it all comes together Yoma, obviously Yom means day. Yoma means uh, the day that, or on the day that. Tarjufur Rajifa. Some translations would say the blast will convulse. I would say roughly on the day the rattler will rattle. Uh, Rajifa is to rattle or to shake, to quake in an uncomfortable way, in making a very loud noise. Different than zalzala, the verb zalzala, which is to shake and make people zalla, slip, right? Or rajja, which is to convulse, a very strong jerking. Or there is mara yamuru, which is to sway back and forth. This is different. This is yoma tarjufur rajifa, on the day that the rattler will rattle. A rajifa, this rattler. What is this rattler? It seems to be, wallahu ta'ala a'lam, a reference to the horn the trumpet that only has one purpose. That's why it's called a rajifa. It's not that it has many different things that it's going to do. Oh, I'm going to use it for this and then later I'm going to use it for that. No, this is Israfil, the angel who has this trumpet that only has one function, which is to rattle, to shake, to convulse, uh, and to basically destroy this universe. Similar to the way a blender is called a blender. Why? Because it's designed to blend something. It doesn't really have any other function, and therefore that's what it's called. It's made to liquefy whatever you put inside of it. Well, similarly, Allah Ta'ala made Israfid with this trumpet that's designed to rattle this whole universe, and it has no other function. There's a parallel ayah where you find the same verb, uh, the same verb, Rajafa Yarjufu, when you when Allah says what? In Surah Muzammil, Yawma Tarjufu al-Ardu wal Jibalu wa kanat al-Jibalu kathiban mahila. On the day, the earth and the mountains will convulse, so the tarjufu will convulse, uh, and the mountains will become heaps of sand pouring down. So when we think of an earthquake, we think of, you know, maybe some branches breaking, maybe a few pillars of a house cracking. I want you to think about mountains being turned to dust. That's a serious convulsion. SubhanAllah, may Allah ta'ala protect us. This is, this is like the ultimate destruction. This is being shaken in such a way where everything is being rattled so much that it's just completely breaking down. May Allah protect us. Uh, yes, and this event is known as al-Nafqatul Ula, which means the first blowing of the horn. That is when the reality crumbles and everybody is killed. Then Allah ta'ala says what? Tatba'uha radifa which means there will follow it the subsequent one. Radifa, coming from the root verb of radafa yardufu or radifa yardafu radfan, which means to come next or to follow or to succeed. But what's also interesting is that another verb related to it is ardafa yurdifu, which means to make something follow in, in, in sequence or to complete, to complement or add an appendage, to make something finish the job, if you will. Like I add this at the end to make sure that it's complete. And I find this meaning very uh, interesting because it's as if Allah Ta'ala is saying what? That guaranteed this day, 
is once the world comes apart, once the apocalypse or Armageddon takes place and it's the end of the world, then necessarily there's going to be the follow-up, which is what? Which is this trumpet, the second blowing of the horn, a nefchatothania, which is going to do what? Which is going to bring everybody else back and resurrect them. And it's as if to say the first one is not complete except with the second one. That's why it's called ar-radifa, tatba'uha ar-radifa, followed up by this radifa, this, this, this subsequent blowing of the horn, and everybody's gonna come back to life. Why? Because obviously, if we all lived, did good deeds and bad deeds, and there was no consequence to any of this, then it would be a useless test of life. But subhanAllah, Allah Ta'ala has wisdom, and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is going to write all the wrongs and pay everybody back what they are owed, and therefore, this makes a lot more sense. And therefore, it is necessary to complete this uh, life that we are living. Uh, and similarly, uh, the previous surah, which is Surah An-Naba, also mentioned this in just one ayah, where Allah says, The day that the horn is blown, and you will see them coming in multitudes. So in the previous surah, Surah An-Naba, Allah mentions this with one ayah, and now you're finding that in the next surah, Allah is going into more detail, saying, look, there's actually two horns that are going to be blown. One is to destroy everything, and the other one is to bring us all back. So I hope that is clear. Yes. And now, how long in between the two? Abu Huraira, he narrated that the Prophet said what? Between the two uh, trumpet sounds, between the two blowings of the horn, there is 40. So the people asked Abu Huraira, you know, you're, you're giving us this hadith, you're telling us, us this, do you know the meaning of it? So they ask, uh, they say, uh, uh, 40 days. Abaytu, he said, I refuse to answer. They said, Arba'una Sanathan, 40 years. Abaytu, I refused. Arba'una Shahran, 40 months. I refused. So he would not give the answer. But then he did say finally, uh, just as just to give them some more information, that he said, um, uh, everything in the human body will decay except the coccyx bone, uh, as in the tailbone, a small portion of it, and from that bone, Allah will reconstruct the whole body. So that's like the little, you could say, tiny, tiny seed, whatever little particle is left of everything that has been basically pounded to dust, there will be one little portion that from that, everything else will grow back. Yes, Mujahid and others, they say what Rajifa, this is the apocalypse, Armageddon, the end of the world, and then Ar-Radifa is the resurrection. And Ar-Razi says, SubhanAllah, how beautiful, he, he makes one comment, he says, this is the Jawab Al-Qasim. I mentioned this at the beginning, so now I'm, I'm clarifying the point. This is the promise uh, being, like, sorry, the, the answer to the oaths. I swear by this, by this, by this, by this, that, what? So this is the answer. So just as the angels don't fail to take the human soul, just as it will take the soul of the disbeliever in a harsh way, and just as it will take the soul of the believer in a soft and beautiful way, just as these angels will not fail to do their job, well, in a similar fashion, the angel of death, the angel responsible for the two uh, trumpet blasts will not fail either. So this is seems to be one way of looking at it. And you can see a very beautiful related verse that uh, really sums it up in Surah Zumar, ayah number 68. Allah says, Allah says, and the horn will be blown, and whoever is in the heavens and whoever is on the earth will fall dead except for who Allah wills. And then it will be blown again a second time, and at once they will be standing and looking on. So subhanAllah, this ayah is summarizing both points together, saying there will be two, uh, uh, you know, you could say trumpet blasts. So how do we prepare for this day? It's actually a very, very interesting hadith that tells us, if you are thinking about this day, this day where everybody will be destroyed, and then they'll be resurrected, and many people will be terrified. How can we prepare for that day? SubhanAllah, listen to this beautiful hadith. كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا ذهب ثلث, ثلث الليل 
that we were with the Prophet and a third of the night went by. So, you know, it's late night, everybody's kind of calm. You can imagine this scene. The Sahaba with the Prophet and he, sta- and he says what? He stands up and he says, Ya ayyuhan nas, uthkurullah, uthkurullah. Oh people, remember Allah, remember Allah. Ja'atil rajifah tatba'uha radifah. That, the, that this, this, this rajifah has come, or it's, it's basically, it's on its way, and it will be followed up by the radifah, what we just explained. Ja'al mawtu bima fihi. Ja'al mawtu bima fihi. That it's going to, uh, that uh, death and what it brings is coming. Death and what it brings is coming. And then so Ubay ibn Ka'ab al-Banhu, he says, Qultu ya Rasulullah, inni uktiru salata alayk. Fakam aj'alu laka min salati. He says, O Messenger of Allah, I increase my prayers upon you, my prayers for you. I make dua for you. A lot. Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Nabi Muhammad. Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Nabi Muhammad. I'm always making dua for you. I am doing this a lot. How much should I do it? So, subhanAllah, look at this beautiful uh, question that he's asking. Qala ma shi'ta. The Prophet says, whatever you wish. Then he says, Qultu, I said, Ar-Rubah. Should I do one-fourth? One-fourth of my dua. So he has a certain amount of time, he makes dua. And he says, I, should I give one quarter of it just to making dua for you? And the Prophet says, what? Ma shi'ta fa in zidta fa huwa khayrun lak. He said, if you wish, but if you want to increase, that's even better for you. فقلت, so he says in response, Nisf, what about half? فقال, ما شئت فإن زدت فهو خير لك. He said, yeah, half is good, but if you wish to do more, then that is even better for you. So then he says, uh, then I said, فثلثين, what about two-thirds? Two-thirds, that's a lot of making dua for the Prophet ما شئت, as whatever you wish. فإن زدت فهو خير لك. But even if you increase, it's still even better for you. And then he says, what? قلت, أجعل لك صلاتي كلها what about making all of my dua only for you? I don't even make dua for anything else. I just say what? Allahumma sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala Nabi Muhammad. Allahumma sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala Nabi Muhammad. I always make dua, send blessings and prayers upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is my entire dua is always going to be for the Prophet The Prophet says what in response? Ithan tukfa hammaka wa yu'faru laka dhambuka. The Prophet says what? Then if you do that, then your problems will be solved and your sins will be forgiven. Subhanallah. So this is encouragement for us to make much more and increase in what? Dua and salah and salam upon the Prophet As we know, Allah says what? Inna Allah wa malaikati yusalluna ala nabiyya ya ayuhu alladhina amnu sallu alayhi wa sallim wa taslima. There's a command from Allah Ta'ala. Allah says that Allah and his angels send blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, O you who believe, send salah and salam upon the Prophet There's a command. And furthermore, why is this connected to Yawm Al-Qiyamah? Why is this being mentioned with the Rajifah and Radifah? What's the connection? Perhaps it is the case that Ubay ibn Ka'ab, he correlated them because he knew of the hadith and Allah knows best because he probably heard the Prophet said what? The Prophet says what? The person closest to me on the day of judgment is the one who sent the most salah and salam upon me. You want to be, so now I'm bringing you back to the topic I, I kind of started with a few minutes ago, which is what? How are you going to be safe on that day? How are you going to be safe? Well, by just the same way you were safe by sticking to the sunnah of the Prophet on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, if you are with the Prophet if you are under the shade of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, if you are with the Anbiya, An-Nabiyeen, Wa-Siddiqeen, Wa-Shuhada'in, Wa-Salihin, how can I be with this amazing group that Allah Ta'ala mentions in Surah Nisa? How can I do this? 
increase in your salah and salam upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I'll just mention one hadith in this regard. I gave a whole khutbah about this about a year ago. It's online. Uh, if you look up my name and you also look up uh, blessings upon the Prophet. Uh, I, I believe it's called like something like that. Sending, sending, or, yeah, sending blessings upon the Prophet. Something like that. There's a whole khutbah dedicated to this topic that talks about it in detail. But one hadith I want to mention that the Prophet says what? Man salla alayya min ummati salatin mukhlisan min qalbihi salla sallallahu alayhi biha ashra salawatin wa rafa'ahu biha ashra darajatin wa kataba lahu biha ashra hasanatin wa maha anhu ashra sayyatin Whoever from my ummah sends salah, sends blessings upon me sincerely from his heart, Allah sends ten blessings upon him and raises him ten degrees and writes ten good deeds for him and erases ten sins for him. SubhanAllah. What a great ajr to keep on sending salah and salam, making dua for the Prophet. Why? Because the Prophet loved each and every single one of us. The Prophet wanted the best for humanity. And the more you're making dua for him, the more you're making dua that his vision is realized, that he is satisfied, that he gets to take and help as many people as possible through guidance, get them out of the hellfire and into paradise, including yourself, and make you a means to be closer to his sunnah, so that you're also a means of light and guidance, so that you are also someone who is righteous. So we should constantly be making as much as you can, especially on Yom al-Jum'ah, especially on Friday, but also every other day, Allahumma sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ala nabiyya Muhammad, making dua for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, Allah says then, next what? What's happening on that day? SubhanAllah, Quran is very unique. Quran doesn't just see the external. Allah Ta'ala can zoom in and give you the view of what's happening, happening on the internal. Qulubun, hearts on that day. And the fact that Allah Ta'ala said Qulubun, not Al-Qulub. Qulubun, it is nakira, it is indefinite, implying what? That some hearts, as in the hearts of the disbelievers. Why? Because the believers, inshallah, ta'ala, they'll be in a good position. Wherever, however, the disbelievers, qulubun, some hearts on the day, yawma idin, specifically on that day, it is muqaddama, it has been advanced. The expected sentence is what? Qulubun wajifatun yawma idin. You'd expect it in that order. But Allah says what? Qulubun yawma idin wajifa. On that day particularly, why? Because it could be that in this life, the disbeliever isn't feeling any fear whatsoever. They're very comfortable, right? And, and in fact, we're gonna see in a few ayat, they are joking about it. Oh, when's this judgment day? Oh, you're saying we're gonna be resurrected. Oh, that sounds terrible. And they're making jokes. We're gonna see that next week, inshallah ta'ala. So you can see that Allah is saying, no, 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 on that day specifically, you're not gonna be joking around. Hearts will be what? Wajifa. Wajifa implies what? It implies that their hearts will be pounding, palpitating so hard at an uncomfortable, abnormal rate, in a discomforting way. This is the nominal form too, wajifa. It is not wajafat qulubun, that uh, it's not in the verbal form. It's in the nominal form, implying that it won't stop. Imagine how long Judgment Day is, and the whole time they just can't slow their heart beat down. It is beating in such a hard way that it is hurting them. This is not to be confused with khawf. SubhanAllah, there's so many words for fear in the Quran, because the Arabic language is very, very specific. So you always find details. Khawf is a perceived danger. Khashya is awe and reverence, a type of fear that, you know, is something great and grand. Khushur is something that overpowers the whole body. Taqwa is what, uh, uh, it is when you fear something that you're consciously avoiding, you're protecting yourself from it. Hadr is caution. Rawr is a sudden shock of fear. Wajs is a fear felt by receiving bad news, uh, uh, to feel fear, but to not let it show, to hide it on the inside. Wajid is a fear that penetrates deep into the heart. Rahab is a fear out of love, a fear to disappoint a loved one. You don't want to do that. And Ru'ab is overwhelming, a terrible fear. And Ashfaqa is fear that is harm that is, you fear the harm that is coming to a loved one. SubhanAllah, there's so many different types of fear. And this is what? Wajifa, specifically this pounding heart that is 
it's, it feels like it's beating out of the chest. And subhanAllah, this is even mentioned. A Suddi, he connects the ayah and says, this is also being described when Allah says, وَأَنذِرْهُمْ يَوْمَ الْآزِفَةِ إِذِ الْقُلُوبُ لَدَى الْحَنَاجِرِ كَالْفَمِينَ Allah says, and warn them, O Muhammad of the approaching day when hearts are at the throats. This is what it feels like. Your heart is pounding so hard, you feel like the heart is up into your throat. That's how scary this day is. And yes, we know also that Allah Ta'ala calls this day Al-Faza'ul Akbar, the greatest terror. So SubhanAllah, this is the day that is coming to all of us and we need to prepare for that day. And how do we do so? One of the ways, as mentioned in this hadith, is by saying, Allah Sallallahu Muhammad. And then Allah describes not only the internal, but also the external. That their vision or their eyes will be khashi'ah, humbled. And abasaru ha, the ha, it's or their eyes. What, the there is referring back to who? Referring back to the hearts. So it's as if Allah is saying what? The vision of those hearts will be humbled. What does that mean, the vision of their hearts? This is not talking about literally their little eyes on the hearts, but this is talking about what? This is like, in English, maybe this would be translated as they're seeing wholeheartedly, as in the most honest vision. That means they're not, there's, no, there's no pretenses today. That they are humbled. They, what is showing on the eyes is what is reflected in the heart. They are fearful and terrified inside and their eyes are reflecting it. And subhanAllah, this is highlighting the deep connection with the eyes and how they have a connection between the eyes and the heart. And we should always remember that if you want to corrupt your heart, look at things that are haram. May Allah protect us and forgive us for our vision. What we look at that is haram, that is the easiest way to corrupt the heart. May Allah protect us. And as a side point, if one's heart is pure, you'll see that they see things with different eyes. Where somebody's heart is corrupted, you'll see that they see things with different eyes as well. And you think they're all the same eyes. I mean, we all see the same thing. But because the heart is the real receptor, they see different things. A simple example would be two people, they're sitting and they're looking at a beautiful, let's say, sunset. And one person, because they have a pure heart. Now, the eyes can see. They're both 20-20 vision. But one person, because they have a pure heart, what do they see? They look and they, subhanAllah, their heart is filled with iman. Why? Because they have a grateful heart. They look and they say, this is the creation of Allah. Another person seeing the exact same thing. Eyes are seeing the same way. What happens? All they do is complain. Ah, it's too bright. Ah, it's so annoying. I don't know. It doesn't bother me, right? SubhanAllah, this is an ungrateful heart. So we should always remember the connection between the eyes and the heart. Yes, abasaruha, as in the vision of these hearts. Another possibility is what? That Allah is saying their hearts will be in denial on that day. And so therefore they will close their eyes. It's the reflecting, that their eyes will reflect their, the, the status of their hearts. Their hearts don't want to accept. Their hearts want to reject what is happening to them. They don't want to be on this day. They don't want to be resurrected. Send me back. Surah in the previous surah, Allah says what? They're going to be saying, I wish I was dust. And so that's what's in the heart. And so what do you see in the eyes? Khashia, humbled, looking away, closing their eyes and thinking to themselves, this is not happening. This is not happening. They don't want to see it. May Allah protect us. This is reflecting their attitude now, which is also denial. But the difference is that they have the luxury in this life of being sarcastic about it, which is what we're going to see in the upcoming few ayat uh, talking about this. But before we get there, Allah Ta'ala also says in relation to this concept, وَتَرَاهُمْ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا خَاشِعِينَ مِنَ الذُّلِّ and you will see them being exposed to the fire, humbled from humiliation, looking from behind a covert glance. They'll be covering them. They don't want to look directly. And also Allah says what? Their eyes will be humbled and they will emerge from the graves as if they were locust spreading out. So subhanAllah, think about this, brothers and sisters. In a moment of panic, people usually look in all directions to get an idea of what they can do to remedy the situation. If the eyes are looking down, the implication may be two things. Number one, they're paralyzed by fear and therefore they cannot think straight. They can't think about how to remedy the situation. 
or number two, it's possible that they realize that there's nowhere to go and nothing to do that will improve the situation. So subhanAllah, this is what, how you make sense of why. Why is it that their eyes are looking away? It could be denial, it could be paralyzed with fear, or it could be the realization that there's nothing to look around and maybe I'll fix this, maybe I'll fix that. This is Yom Al-Qiyamah. I'm not in control, I can't fix anything. Multiple uh, possibilities. Final few points, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, one is that there's a very important lesson here which is eyes often speak more truth about what somebody's thinking than what they say with their mouths. You'll find that some people, they'll say things with their mouth, but the Muslim here is being taught by the Qur'an. When you pay close attention to the Qur'an, the Qur'an is teaching us a very important lesson, which is to look into somebody's eyes when they're speaking and pay close attention to both the words that they're saying and the eyes and how they are moving. Why? Because as they say, eyes are the window to the soul eyes of the window to the soul. So the Muslim, based on these ayat, based on many ayat that say, pay attention to the way their eyes are looking, it'll tell you what's going on in the heart, subhanAllah. And of course, last point, inshallah, the word khushu'ah is used. Uh, why is this khushu'ah, this concept of being, uh, you know, uh, humbled, being, uh, having this sense of humility, why is this being mentioned? Well, they used to be disbelievers and they were supposed to have humility in this life, but they refused. This is in reference to the disbelievers who refused to have any humility. They would not make one sajda. They would not make dua for forgiveness. They wouldn't ask Allah to guide them to the truth. They were too obstinate, too arrogant to even make dua and say, Ya Allah, guide me to the truth. And if you guide me, I'll follow it. They didn't have even the humility or the decency to make the one simple dua, Ihdina Sirat al-Mustaqim, guide us to the straight path. They couldn't do that one time. The Muslim does it 17 times a day. This guy couldn't do it once in his life. SubhanAllah. So the proof, uh, sorry, that, that the fact of the matter is they couldn't do it in this life, in this life. so therefore Allah is saying that's the state you're going to have to be in in the next life because you refused it. And the proof that they did not have this uh, quality of khushur is related in the next ayat where Allah Ta'ala says, And they're presently saying, will we re return to our former state? And they're going to be joking and laughing about this. We're not going to cover this week, inshallah Ta'ala. With that, we close. And inshallah, we're going to go into their sarcastic comments next week, ayat 10, 11, 12, and so forth. And so may Allah Ta'ala make us of those who are safe on that day. May Allah protect us and forgive us for our shortcomings. And may Allah Ta'ala make us of those who are al always making dua to Allah Ta'ala and asking Allah Ta'ala for guidance, forgiveness, and also making salah and salam upon the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jazakum khairan wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa